0: This is the Private Practice Workshop Podcast. I'm your host, John Clark, helping you build a better business without all the overwhelm. And in this episode, I'm sitting down with Julia Murtha. She is a uh, really a long-time listener of this show. And you know that moment uh, when I ask you guys to reach out to me and let me know how you're doing and who you are, and I say I wanna connect with you? Well, Julia does it. <laughs> Most of you don't do it which I understand, but Julia does it. And it always means the world to me to hear from her. Uh, She gives me feedback on episodes. Um, She lets me know how she's doing. She just reacts genuinely to episodes, which gives me so much information as to how I'm doing. I don't get that much feedback, uh, at least with this show. And so it's super helpful. And it's always been really um, uh, just really a pleasure to interact with her. And this time she's on the show talking about basically when life happens. So what do you do when life happens as a private practitioner? We're talking about how to deal with things like illness, grief and loss, how to practice real self care, how to communicate personal setbacks uh, with clients, how to plan financially for when life happens. Uh, It's an episode that I think you'll find highly relatable and also actionable, which is what we're all about here, right? Before we dive in, I have to thank again our friends at Spruce. What is Spruce? Well, it's an all-in-one communication platform that you can use to communicate with both your clients and internally with your team. You can even use it for telemedicine, doing video uh, calls with your clients, which is all the rage right now. Um, You can take your practice on the go with Spruce. You can even use um, your current Business uh, phone number, or uh, you can get a new business phone number with the proper area code and everything. So, what's not to love about Spruce? What's also not to love about 20% off? You can get 20% off when you use the code PPW20 at checkout. Um, all you have to do is head to sprucehealth.com to start a free trial, or you can download the app, start a free trial. Again, use the code PPW20 at checkout for. Uh, 20% off. What's not to love? All right, without further ado, let's dive in. Julia, welcome to the show. Thank you for um uh doing it despite the obstacles of the day that we were talking about before I hit record.
1: Yes. I am in bed sick, also with a sick kid at home. So if you hear any whining in the background, that's what's going on.
0: <laughs> that whining could also be me, because I'm just getting over my sickness. So yes. I, I will whine directly into the microphone if I if I decide to. Awesome. <laughs> Um, so before we get into our topic, which is very on the nose, considering, uh, how you're feeling today and how I was feeling last week, um, uh, what else should people know about you? So before this, I gave kind of the, uh, the official intro, but, um, what else should people know about who you are and, um, how you got here?
1: That's a big question. Um, very
0: open-ended <laughs> on purpose. Uh-huh.
1: Um, I, uh, I have uh, two little boys, um, four and seven. Um, so I, uh, love being their mom and I love the developmental stages of everything. And so, um, that is definitely something that I balance with, uh, my practice and is a huge priority for me. So you'll probably hear that in a lot of the things that I talk about is sort of, um, balancing personal life and, uh, my work life in a big way.
0: Yeah. How long have you been in private practice and did you work a other counseling job before that?
1: Yeah. So I've been in the field of addiction working as a counselor for about 13 years and um, I worked in treatment centers, inpatient, outpatient, um, aftercare, all that sort of stuff. And um, about two years ago, I decided to start my own practice, Um, actually two years ago this month. So kind of exciting.
0: Nice. Was it always, did you always know that you wanted to work with addictions or how did that develop?
1: Um, yeah, I actually went to school. I actually was trained at Hazelden, which is, you know, now Hazelden Betty Ford in, uh, Minnesota here that, that we call it the 10,000 instead of 10,000 lakes, it's 10,000 treatment centers. So, um, I was trained here and, um, yeah, I've always been in addiction, working in addiction treatment centers. Um, and um, now in private practice, I don't know, it's kind of interesting. Um, when I was in treatment centers, you know, people come through the door and you get assigned clients. So yeah. you have a certain number of people in your group and they yeah. send people in. Um, well, in private practice, as, as we all know, like people find us, They yeah. they they find our website, they look at our stuff, they try to figure out who we are, um, and then they choose us. And so it's been weird to like, see who chooses me versus <laughs> who gets me, Yes. um, in the rest of my counseling career. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: It's also must be interesting doing, uh, I'm always fascinated by people who do addictions work in private practice because in- like let's say in the hospital or clinic, you're also kind of embedded with these medical professionals often, or if you have a client who is intoxicated, you know, shows up for treatment or is, is detoxing or having withdrawals or whatever, you're kind of embedded in this medical model, but then in private practice, very much uh, not having those things. How do you navigate that?
1: Yeah. So it's definitely a different level of care. It's very, very outpatient. Mm -hmm. Um, Generally, I would say maybe in the, in the past two years I've had, you know, half a dozen people that I felt like needed a much higher level of care when they came yeah. in for their initial appointment. But otherwise, I really get working professionals that are going to work every day that find themselves in a cycle of going home and de-stressing through uh, alcohol or drug use. Um, and so it just sort of starts out as a um, kind of a, a reward system and turns into, um, crappy sleep and increased overwhelm and just Mm -hmm. feeling like they can't show up in their world. And so, um, I, I just, I find people in the spectrum of addiction, um, most of the people that, that come to private practice are really more in, um, the discovery phase.
0: That makes sense.
1: Yeah. yeah. Like if, if people really need detox, they're calling big treatment centers. Um, yeah. I kind of have a unique niche. There's not a lot of people out there that do outpatient individual private practice work in the field of addiction. It's kind of like a, an up and coming thing.
0: Do you feel like that's had a lot to do with your, the growth of your practice over the past two years?
1: Definitely. I, yeah. The, it's, fascinating to me because when I worked in treatment centers you know I'd have people for like 30 days at a time or you know in an outpatient center you'd have them at 12 weeks at a time and then you'd never see them again maybe they'd pop in if they were doing well to say hey how's it going but you'd 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 develop deep relationships and then say goodbye and so yeah. it's pretty fantastic to have an, a, a you know a, a practice where People can see me for as long as they want or as little as they want, and they can come back whenever they want. Um, It's really amazing, actually.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of what private practice dreams are made of, huh? Uh -huh. (laughs) Uh-huh.
1: It's pretty cool. And and in an addiction world, that doesn't exist, really. It's kind of a new idea, even though it's definitely evidence-based practice.
0: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So... Well t- today we wanted to talk about basically when life happens uh-huh. <laughs> in the context of private practice and i mentioned before that uh yeah you're you're homesick today or i guess um um uh, at least not doing your normal private practice duties and uh that was also me entirely last week
1: Yeah
0: Yeah So um well, you, you had kind of pitched me this topic. What what led you to pitch me this topic?
1: So I I just think it's interesting. So I started my practice one day a week and I had four clients. And that was kind of like my goal was just like, okay, I'll and, – and two of them were pro bono. So <laughs> that was uh, – yeah. Um, so I started out with two paying clients, two pro bono clients from a previous treatment center that I'd worked with. And then I increased to two days a week and had eight clients, kept the two pro bono clients and added, you know, a couple more. Um, and that's what I was doing. Um, and then this last year, um, so I did that for a whole year. Um, this last year, a bunch of stuff, I'm on air, right? So I can't swear, but a bunch of stuff. <laughs> you can't, um, will
0: just put a disclaimer.
1: <laughs> A bunch of stuff, if there's kids in the car, right, Um, came down the chute for me. Um, Some of it I saw coming, others I didn't. My grandmother passed away, who was a big, big supporter in my life. Um, And um, so I just felt an intense amount of grief. Um, And then uh, I decided to get divorced after 10 years of being in a marriage. Um, And like I said, I have two little kids that are four and seven. And that was a that was a real, um, stressor that I did not, um, anticipate the depths of, um, not only was I tracking my kids, was I tracking myself emotionally? Um, I also knew that I had to essentially grow my practice exponentially to be able to, uh, live independently. Mm -hmm. Um, so all these obstacles started kind of popping up. Um, and, um, so I was showing up to work and I was trying to make things better um but i it would be very easy to lose myself you know like i always say like it's a weird job to have where you are your own tool That essentially like if you lose yourself you lose your job like you lose you lose everything that makes your job a thing
0: yeah that's really unique about what uh what we do in particular also because it's uh we even if your head is in a different place, um, you re- we really can't afford to kind of dial it in or phone it in or whatever they say uh, for a session. In fact, we could potentially do client's harm if we are doing such a thing. There's a lot of other jobs in the world uh, where you could kind of get away with that.
1: Yes, yeah.
0: Ours is not one of them.
1: Yeah, and I have like a really strong, ever since I started this work, a really strong value in... Um, you know, practicing what I preach in terms of self-care. And, um, I go to therapy every week. I work out regularly with, at, with a community of friends. Um, I, I, I really, really, really immerse myself in personal growth. Um, and so I find that, um, it, this, this took me to my knees, like, essentially like i'm gonna I'm gonna take out like all the energy that you would have to like put toward yourself because you're juggling so many things mm-hmm. and then see what happens. Um, and so <laughs> um I just found that that I had to get really smart about like what are the the key things that keep me as a clinician on my feet and sharp and um, healthy enough mm-hmm. to show up to work um, so. I kind of did some brainstorming, um, and figured those things out and started doing them and, and kind of pretending I was a little bit of like a horse on a racetrack with blinders on, um, and just really created some deep intention.
0: Is this, so this is kind of, um, your ongoing maintenance plan, so to speak.
1: Oh yeah.
0: Of how to keep yourself well enough to do your job effectively. What happens when something completely unexpected happens and either takes, pulls you out of that plan or disrupts your practice altogether?
1: Yeah. So one thing I noticed was like, um, so I had some things that I could see coming, but other things, you know, days you wake up and you're just not, you're not feeling like yourself, or you feel like. Mm-hmm you're kind of like unable to care for yourself in some ways. And that's just not a good place to be when you're needing to walk in and be present for other people. And so I'd have some rituals, like, uh, I would, I would take a bath, like a really, really hot bath. Um, I would go exercise and just burn off any energy I possibly had anxiety wise. Um, go on a walk around the lake with a friend, meet somebody for coffee um, just things that I knew would sort of ground me. Um, and I also, so the, the, the things that, that were really important were exercise for me, sleep. So mm. I would give up anything for the sleep. I would dedicate my, I essentially just created an intense, uh, intention around sleep, um, that like documentation could wait, um, that sleep would always come first. Um, because I knew that if I, um, uh, oh, and the last one was eating. Sorry, I said three. Ha. Um, so if I let go of those three things, essentially, I would not be able to care for myself or anything yeah. around me. Um, similar to like, you know, when you're on the airplane, and they say, you know, put on your mask first. Yeah. It's not intentional. Like my natural inclination is to turn to my son and put his mm-hmm. on first. But that that really does not work when you're barely treading water.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Is there, um, like, let's say if you've been out of work for a bit, is there a process you have in place to successfully kind of reintegrate yourself or to kind of find your, you know, get back to your normal pacing as well. Let's say of a full caseload, because it can be, that can be quite a a big gap between like even a week off into, or even a week of being sick into a a week of 20 clients or something.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. (laughs) Um, I, I don't know. I find that like um, leaning back into those things like this morning before I got on this call, Um, I took a really hot shower. I did the things that sort of like calm me and let me know that like, I'm going to lean into my lean into myself and not sort of abandon myself in the process. Um, and I do that like before sessions with clients too. Like I really like group myself and will sit in my chair and just sort of think about the, um, intention of the work Mm -hmm. in terms of like, you know this is why i do this work and this is what's so important um and that i can um just be present i don't have to fix anybody or rescue anybody um and that goes for myself too yeah. you know that like i can just show up for this podcast and i yeah. can just be present and see what happens
0: yeah that is probably the the most powerful um kind of savior so to speak and I used to um, experience this quite a bit when I was younger and I was an EMT um, Mm. and I worked on the ambulance almost every day Um, and some days when I was really having a hard time and in particular I was struggling with depression a lot at this time in my life and I would never want to, I wouldn't even want to get out of bed, better yet put my uniform on and go down to the station where we would wait for calls. and. I would feel miserable the entire time I would lament what was going on. I would lament that I was even out of bed or had to show up, um, or whatever. And then it was always that the second I got a call and someone, uh, I I needed to make myself useful or help someone in this immediate, um, you know, kind of circumstance that not only did all of my problems go away, but, um, I felt uh um relieved to be focusing on someone else mm-hmm. and so I think I experienced that later once I eventually became a therapist and would be in private practice and in those days where it's like oh gosh i have I have a lot going on in my life can i can i how can I possibly do a therapy session? but in fact, it can be quite healing for us to do that session if you can manage it and just let go of you know, what's, uh, your, your, your own burdens for that, for that time. Um, so that's that I'm feel lucky that that was something that, that I realized early on would happen. And it was actually kind of a go-to, uh, when I was feeling, uh, quite out of it, sometimes actually just focusing on someone else and helping someone else pulled me out of myself, so to speak.
1: Yeah, I definitely the minute I get in session with people, it's just this like real lean in. What's interesting is, is like on days like today when I'm sick, like I could have gone to work and I could have met with clients and done a a pretty good job, you know, like just getting refreshing my tea every hour and, you know, putting a blanket over my lap and just really leaning into their stuff. Um, where the rubber hit the road for me this year is like the divorce stuff, right? Cause all of a sudden your identity gets shaken. It's like one thing if your body and your mind aren't really feeling it, but like when your whole internal psyche is getting all shaken up. So like, who am I when I'm not in a partnership? Like what are clients mm-hmm. going to think about me as a single mother? Like, what does yeah. that say? Am I like incapable of relationship? Am I, all of these things that are, um, you know, change how we, um, see ourselves. Um, and so, um, I just think it's interesting sort of tracking that piece. And Mm -hmm. I remember listening to one of your podcasts and somebody said something like, you know, I find myself more present with clients when I am in a tender space emotionally, um, that I'm actually able to be more curious. Um, and I really, I really took that. Like I, I leaned into that, and I um, created a lot of intention around um, mm-hmm. really understanding like what it feels like to be that tender and to show up and it, it, to continue to show up in life um, when you feel like you don't have, um, you know, scaff like strong scaffolding within your being.
0: Yeah. So it's interesting because I also. Um... I remember one session in particular when I was kind of newer to private practice where I felt quite distracted during the session and I was so afraid of, you know, a client catching on, right. Mm-hmm. That I was distracted. Right. Um, and I think what happened was I, yeah, I was in the session and I kind of missed something and I was feeling quite embarrassed to have to ask again, but I did. And I think someone else had taught me this, but I did it in a way where the client was still able to feel like, hey, what I'm saying is really important. Because I think all I said was, listen, I missed what you just said. And it's really important that I hear everything. And so can you repeat what you just said? The client wasn't mad at all. Right. In fact, mm-hmm. they felt quite. Important that I would actually rewind for a second just to make sure I'm getting the full story right or this time when you say it, I'm gonna write it down because this sounds really important and um, So it kind of took me out of my head again, and I just own the fact that I missed the beat, you know, and um, And I think if anything has strengthened the session I've also had sessions where I've been just on the quieter side in general where at the end You know the client is walking out and I'm thinking dear God, that was the worst session I've ever done. They're going to want their money back. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't earn my fee this hour. And, exactly. Uh, and then the client's like, that was the best session ever. <laughs> mm.
1: I'm like, what? no, <laughs> no, I think it's, uh, it's, it's definitely, um, been a challenge, especially because my framework is attachment. Mm. And so I work with people, essentially our session is in addiction, we're always focusing on this disconnect from, uh, from community and disconnect from people. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I'm always working with, with people on deepening, um, intimacy and Mm -hmm. trust and connection and relationship. And so, um, the therapeutic alliance is essentially what my framework is working, you know, that's what Mm -hmm. I work off of. And so, you know, clients could tell that I was different and there's this deep sense of like, is, is this me, right? Like is, is what I'm feeling off of her about me? Um, and so there were some clients that it was really important that they knew that I was going through something totally separate from our therapy experience and that it, that it, that it shifted things. The other powerful thing is I had a few people on my caseload that had been going through divorce for a long long period of time. And it's sort of, some of them had been through it and some were going through it. And it was incredibly um, amazing to have that experience with them, sort of this, like, hey, like, this is brave work that you're doing here. This is like, this is the deal. Like, how did you sit here for so long, like, keep showing up here? Because I don't know about you, but like, I go to therapy, I can't even make eye contact with my therapist, because I'm freaking the, you know, what out, like, um, to do this work and to stay present with myself and not abandon myself. Um, and so, um, that's something that's been really powerful. And I think you talked about it a lot, like in your work, when you were, um, in a smaller town setting, like doing therapy as a client with your therapist and how transparent he was, and you kind of knew him in community and that sort of thing. And, um, I really feel that way with my clients along this journey is like, you know, this stuff does bump into their stuff and yeah. um, that's powerful. It's pretty amazing. So yeah. like these obstacles, right? Essentially, these obstacles that we run into that we feel like we can't track or we can't get through or that it's going to completely screw up our private practice or we won't be able to hold it together mm-hmm. essentially link us closer to our clients if we sort of, you know, yeah. lean lean in completely to the process.
0: Yeah, I mean... I think it's not only the path of less resistance to just kind of own your experience and what you're going through. And, you know, if a disclosure of sorts happens or has to happen, right, because you've been out for a week or out for whatever someone, you know, comments that you're not wearing a wedding ring anymore. Oh yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You get that. You can either resist it, right. And kind of protect it and play your cards really close to your chest. Or you can, uh, you can own it and you can say something and you can invite the client back into the process, which is the way that I kind of learned it. Um, and, Mm -hmm. and kind of ask them, what's it like for you to now know that about me? Um, and you can have some of the most powerful moments ever in therapy when you do that and do it, you know, um, do it well and do it, you know, uh, you know, in a very human way.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, it's interesting. So like in private practice, right? Like I, the thing that I love about our work is, is that like we get to do the human side of things and then, you know, I've gotten pretty good at, you know, listening to podcasts like yours and other people that inspire me on the business side and like really getting that. But that's the piece that you always linked for me was like the human side to the business side. So like this idea that like, really, we are therapists, this is this is what we're good at. But then we also have this like part of us that needs to run a business. And so um, I don't know, it's, 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 that's been the challenge for me is, when these big obstacles come up to be able to keep the business thread going. Cause that, that sort of like feeds the process of being able to show up and see clients. Yeah. Um, yeah. and so I started a, I started a list like a, you know, I used to have a to-do list that I could easily keep up with. Um, but I found like in the grief process, you sort of lose track of details. Um, and so I started sort of like a urgent list and a coming up list and a someday list. Um, and it was just like a way for me to compartmentalize the business side of things so that I could, um, track. Um, because these days I, I see about 21 clients individually a week and I run three process groups. And so that's, that's a lot of tracking, you know, there's a lot of uh, pieces and those of you that like run groups, you know, it's, it's an you know hour and a half, two hours of group, but you have, you know, 10 people that are, in contact with you throughout the week, times three, um, and so it, it's a lot of um, individuals and um, information.
0: Yeah, it's a whole lot. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: It, there's always going to be a lot of pressure on our businesses, especially if you're a solo practitioner, because uh, yeah, if you're not seeing clients, you're not making money, and for many therapists, that is their primary uh, north star. Is am I? You know, did I make money this week? Or even feeling down to the hour, like did I make X amount this this hour? And so, when we forfeit some of those session fees because life gets in the way, we have to be able to feel okay about life and business moving on uh, and being okay as a result of that. And I think therapists can can uh, can tend toward anxiety. Um, instead, right. Rather than embracing it, this is part of, uh, this is part of life. This is part of life as a business owner with this kind of business and, um, and things will be okay. If I were to offer a, you know, a tactical tip in here for when life happens, I've been urging, you know, therapist to do two things. Number 1, put yourself on a fixed salary with quarterly bonuses. This takes you off the income roller coaster and it makes weeks like this one hurt a lot less. Um even if you're making slightly less than you would like to make or are used to making on let's say a bi-weekly basis. So that's number 1. That's absolutely huge because you're not going to feel like you're being punished every time you're sick or something happens or someone, you know, passes away or whatever it is. And the other one is in, order to, and in part in, in order to, to do that, pay yourself a salary to build up an emergency fund of three to six months of business expenses, including your salary, in a business savings account. And for some therapists, are going to go, oh, that's going to take too long or I don't have that kind of money. But if you start doing that today, then when these things happen, or even if you have one sick day, well, guess what? You're still getting paid. And I can't tell you how transformational that is for the therapists that I work with who've done it you know, and then being able to really feel how nice it is for your business to take care of you once, you know, when shit, shit happens. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah.
1: Yeah. I've been, I think you mentioned a few podcasts ago about like profit first and I've sort of, I've, um, gotten that going as I've gone through all of this, but it's an interesting, like, I don't know, I sort of ride this line of like, I started out my practice doing pro bono work and I still do one weekly session, a week of pro bono, uh, work. And, um, and then there's this part about like being a responsible adult, like, okay, I have to pay the bills. And like, how do I do the practical side of things while keeping like the spiritual side of things where you're like, okay, things, like, I'm going to ride this wave, I'm going to let things happen as they're supposed to happen, you know, like, if I'm sick, I'm sick. Um, And so it's been interesting, because, you know, when you have a dual income, you're a lot less fearful. (laughs) And then you, you know, you go through divorce, and then you're like, okay, I have a house, and I have a mortgage, and I have a lot of things that could go wrong, and um, not as much expendable income. And so um, it's definitely a trick of being planful, but then also just sort of trusting the process, um, and, um, sticking really tight to my values, which is that I will always sort of like choose community or like what's right for the human side of things over sort of the financial gain for myself.
0: Mm. Yeah. It's really interesting you mentioned values because if you have values, they serve as guiding principles to make decisions, similar to if you have a, your family values and you're making difficult family decisions. Well, you need something to base those decisions on. Most therapists haven't thought about things like that as it relates to their business, so they end up with no guiding principles whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that might be a nice little takeaway one of many takeaways today for, for listeners is think about your values because they will really help you make decisions, especially in hard times.
1: Yeah, I actually, um, every three months I sit down and I write, so I have a list of the values, things that are important to me, but I pick three to focus on. Um, and so they evolve, right. Depending on what's going on in my life and what's going on in my practice um but I check in with myself on a daily basis because I tend to be an overachiever somebody that sort of doesn't give myself credit for anything that I do I'm always focused on like what I need to do next and what problem needs to be solved and I very rarely like turn around and look to see what what I have accomplished and yeah. so um the intention piece um so I so I have these three values I focus on and then I set intentions like One is physical health. And so the intention is to attend to my body each day. And some days that looks like stretching after work or getting in a hot bath and other days it looks like vigorous exercise. But when I, when I conclude the day, I'm able to sort of check in with myself, like, did I care for my body today? Um, and that feels, it feels like I'm moving towards something, but it also gives me an opportunity for choice. Like if, If I'm going to choose between like a really crappy Netflix show or like getting on the treadmill and I haven't attended to my body, my intentions reroute my choices.
0: Yeah. Nice. And
1: that, that, that really has gotten me through these obstacles that like, even though I feel like crap, that doesn't mean that I can't keep moving toward something that matters to me because, you know over time all these little things add up to a whole lot
0: yeah a lot of this has to do with what you tell yourself when you're going through these times so mm-hmm. looking at your thoughts and assumptions yeah sounds like that's part of it too
1: mm-hmm. yeah it's been it's been a steep learning curve in a in many many <laughs> areas of my life um but i i have to say with like Within like three to six months of sort of like intense focus on these intentions and these things that keep me um, above water, um, I've made it through, right? I'm on the other side and I'm starting to sort of breathe again and have more wiggle room and I stayed up probably way too late last night and (laughs) like, you know, all these things that can happen in normal life when you're not in crisis.
0: Yeah. Love it.
1: So it's pretty cool.
0: this has been enlightening to say the least, and I think highly relatable for the folks listening Julia, what else are we missing from the conversation? Or is there one more piece of advice that you want to maybe leave uh, uh, our therapist with?
1: That's funny. You always ask this question. I'm like, gosh, that's such a hard question. Like all the stuff that we do. um, I don't know. I, I just think for me um, that like, I, I, I think I am my tool essentially. Like I, if, if I don't take care of myself, I have nothing. And so, um, and it's not in like a narcissistic way, right? It's not like that piece of like, Oh, me, 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 but like really paying attention to myself, like pausing to understand what's going on in me and making good choices based off of that, um, is a challenge. Um, when you're in a a job of caring for others and you know in my case I'm a parent too and so there's a lot of like external demands um but to get really good at checking in with self and um making a practice of it is definitely something that I think has um enriched my practice in a in a big way
0: nice yeah simple but profound
1: yeah and harder in
0: practice but uh but very and I
1: really I really love your work too. So it's pretty awesome. Well, I've been following John Clark since the day I started my practice. I opened it at $300. Um, and I <laughs> built my own website and I listened to podcasts on, you know, nonstop. I've listened to every single one. And it's just like the human side of things is what you bring. And, and that just values wise resonates with me. So thank you for doing your work. And uh, yeah, I when you emailed me to be on here, I was like, no way. I felt like a groupie, you know, like. <laughs> I'm just this girl in Minneapolis that follows you because I think your information is so helpful. So yeah. Well,
0: that means a lot to me. It really does. It's it's been fun to also um, connect with you here and there as a result of the, you know, the show and stuff and the, the work I do with therapists. So, I appreciate yeah. that a lot and you have a, you have a pretty unique voice on this stuff. So I'm glad that, cool. that our listeners got to hear it today. So, um, awesome. Julia, how can people learn more about you or, or even get in touch?
1: Um, I have a website, um, planting seeds with an S recovery.com. Um, and I'm also on Facebook, um, planting seeds recovery. Um, so you can find me on there.
0: Perfect. Yeah. Julia, thanks thank so much you. for being here. Yeah. See you soon. Yeah.
1: Thank you. Take care.
0: Hope you enjoyed that one, folks. Um, Just a reminder, your homework, as always, is to rate, review, and subscribe to the show wherever you are listening. Did I mention we're on Spotify now? Because we're on Spotify now. Uh, Fashionably late, but we are there. Um, otherwise share your favorite episode with a few therapist friends that really, really, really helps us grow the show. Uh, I can't tell you how important that is that you help us grow the show. So just, uh, sharing, um, uh, your favorite episode with a couple friends. You can grab the link from whatever app you're listening to. Just go to share episode, copy link, send that to a few therapist friends. Otherwise, uh, check out our friends at SpruceHealth.com. Spruce is your all-in-one HIPAA-compliant communication platform. You can get 20% off with the code PPW20 at checkout. And you can do a free trial. What's not to love about a free trial? That's it for this week. I will see you next Wednesday, same time, same place. Take care of yourselves. Keep doing great work out there in the world. I'll see you real soon. Bye.